0: That you're experiencing God's fullness and grace and mercy this holiday season. I know for us, in spite of masks and socially distant uh, celebrations, we got to see our kids and, and our parents and want to be mindful of some who weren't able to, maybe for the COVID, uh, because of the COVID pandemic, or perhaps there's some people, families that have lost loved ones this last year and there's an empty place at the, at the holiday table. And we know that that can bring about a lot of pain and struggle, and then there are other relationships that maybe are strained with uh, children and parents or siblings, and that brings a whole mess of uh, circumstances that are very, very, very painful, which is what parenting and being a child is and then it 's kind of like the the relationship that brings us the most joy and fun and celebration when it 's going well and the most pain and hurt and pain and, and sorrow and distress when it 's not i think that 's what being a parent and being a child is. And unlike any other relationship, I think, unless, you know, with the exception of adoption, you don't get to choose your parents or your children. You're assigned your parents, you're assigned your children. They may or may not be like you, which may or may not have some good and bad in that. They may think differently, vote differently, believe differently, act differently, value different things than you value, and yet we're in this relationship with them that we're supposed to stay in and love one another, care for one another, and help each other, which is what we're going to talk about today. If you want to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, we're jumping back into our series in Colossians. The Colossians 3 verses 20 and 21, just two verses are a text for today. You could also go to the UVersion Bible app and go to events and First Free Church and you'll find our, our passage there as well. Uh, Before I read these verses, it's important to remember the overall message of these, of this letter. If we just read these two verses and we think Paul's just giving us instructions on how to be children and how to be parents, then we're going to miss the bigger picture. After all, this was a letter that was written to the Colossian church. And so it was not read a verse or a sentence at a time like we study it on Sunday mornings. It was read in one sitting. And so for us to understand the context of These two commands, we need to understand where Paul's been in this letter with this group of Christians in the town of Colossae. He began in chapter one with a special celebration of this church, the faith that they had. He had an incredible prayer for them because of their faithfulness in ministry and what God has been doing through them. And then he moved into this passage. You'll remember about the the glorious nature of Jesus Christ and the, the supremacy of Christ in all things, which is so critical to understanding his message and to understand the commands that he gives us today in the passage that we'll be looking at. And then in chapter 3, well, then he kind of looks at some of the challenges that the supremacy of Christ and how that interacts and intersects with the challenges that that church was facing with some of the the principles and lessons that were being brought in and other ideas and ways to follow after God. And then in chapter 3, we see this new life in Christ rooted in the redemptive work of Jesus and how that's going to play out. So in chapter 3, verse 17, we read, Whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verses 18 and 19, which we looked at a few weeks ago, uh, talk about husbands and wives and how that's going to play out there. So we're, we're continuing in this little pocket of this letter that's really saying how are these principles of the supremacy of Jesus Christ, living our lives in Christ, having this union with God through Christ, and understanding how the, how to kind of anchor into the truth of Jesus play out in these relationships. So now let's look at verses 20 and 21, and we'll talk about children and parents. Really straightforward verses. Colossians 3, 20 and 21. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. We're going to start with verse 20. Paul's instructions here to children. Both of these verses are very similar because there's not a lot of how do you understand that. It's pretty straightforward. Children, obey your parents in everything. This pleases the Lord. It's how are we going to apply that? What's that going to look like? Now, we need to understand and remember under first century Roman law, because it's easy and it will really mislead us if we take today's concept of childhood and and adolescence and teenage years. And we try to transpose that back on the first century ancient East because it was not like that at all. Under first century Roman law, children were viewed as property. Children were property just like the slaves and servants in a household were property. In fact, we're gonna look later or in the next few weeks at verse 22, which is a verse about servants and slaves and how you need to follow the Lord. And Paul uses the exact same language as he uses for children. Because in that context, children were viewed as just like slaves and servants in the household they were more hands in the field there were more hands in the household to get the work done to contribute to this household that they have running now that's important for us to remember because what Paul's doing here even in giving this instruction is very countercultural so in the context of a society that says children are viewed as property like slaves the apostle Paul gives an instruction to children in a letter sent to the church. Which means that Paul must have expected that children would be sitting in the congregation of this church. And Paul also expected that they would be treated as such that they were responsible to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ and be an active part of the church think with us think with me about that for paul to give this instruction means he expected kids to be in the room he expected the kids to be among them and to be treated as though they could put their faith in jesus christ and in that have a trust a belief a salvation experience with god through christ that would make them part of the church now that's really really important and that's still true today it should be true in every church. It's what we do here at First Free. That's why we put—we don't put kids in a holding tank and think we need to just keep them busy until they become adults so that they can trust in Jesus. No. We in our homes and our devotions and our family devotions and our conversations with kids as we talk to them about life, we're, we're sharing with them the gospel and the hope of Jesus Christ. It's why our kid connection ministry and our Awana ministry regularly are, are presenting a gospel to children, small children, so that they can they can believe and put their faith in Jesus and be part of the church, part of this salvation family. We value teens, we value children as part of the church, just as much part of the church as any believing adult. So if there are children, or in our case, teens, although in the first century ancient East, there there wasn't the adolescent and teenage experience that we would have in our our culture here. But if there are children or teens here or watching, we want you to know that you are an important part of this church. You are not just a, a minor player in the work of God here at First Free and in our community, that you are invited to have not a second or third class faith, but a first class faith, just like your parents, just like any of our pastoral staff, just like any of the teachers in Kid Connection, We want you to know Jesus is the one who loved you enough to overcome all the bad things, all the sin, all the brokenness, all the messed up stuff in your life and to give you hope. If you need to understand that more, you can talk to your parents and or some of your leaders in Awana or Kid Connection or other adults that you know here in our church. And we'd love to help you know more about what it means to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if I talk to adults for a second, because if you're like me, my first response is, yeah, and 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 then I want to add, and that child, that faith of a child will grow and will change and will mature, and as they become more adult and they hit the adult problems in life, that faith that they had as a five or six year old in kid connection or uh third grader in Iwana is gonna have to become a real big faith, right? Be careful. Be really careful. Because didn't Jesus use the faith of a child as a model for all of us adults to say? That's where the kingdom is. It's when you have the faith of a child. This is really, really important for us as a church to not treat our children or to allow our children to be treated as second class or, or Christians in training to become those people that God wants to use. We want them to be used by God right where they're at, we want to listen and care for them and have them be a part of our church family. And that takes various forms and various ways. And uh, we, we want to value that. So let's jump back into the command here. So honor your parents. Honoring parents is a virtue in most cultures. And you look in ancient cultures, honoring parents, obeying parents is something that was there. In Jewish life, it was codified in the fifth commandment. Exodus 20, verse 12, honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long life full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, the Old Testament describes some pretty harsh penalties and discipline that are meted out to children who are stubborn and disobedient. Underlying that response of this real stern reaction to disobedient, stubborn children is something that we don't have as much in our culture in the West today. But in that ancient Eastern culture, which was something of a shame-based culture, and there are still cultures in our world that are more like this than our individualistic culture, that a child's actions would bring either honor or disrepute to his or her parents. And everything that happened in that child's life was viewed in terms of how is that going to bring honor or disrepute to our family, to our society, to our culture. Now, we live in much more of an individualistic society. We tend not to think that way and probably would grow as a church and as a people if we added that and not lost our individual faith, but but also see the culture as being um, important. So in Romans chapter one, verse 30, when Paul's giving a list of behaviors that reflect a a disregard for God in life, one of them is disobedient to parents because there's something that goes against the culture that God is building of a testimony for himself when that happens. Now, the underlying assumption of the ancient wisdom literature about children obeying their parents, and the Bible is ancient wisdom literature. It's more than that, but it is that. It's ancient wisdom literature. The the underlying assumption in ancient wisdom literature is that parents are wiser than their children and actually care and want to bestow that wisdom and those life lessons and the guidance on their children in a way that helps them to be Functioning members of the culture and society and the family system than that parents want to and are motivated by wanting to help their children. There's no place that we would assume that children were expected to obey parents if they were asking them to sin, to violate God's command, or there's no place for children to accept or for us to accept a society or a situation where children are misused or abused mistreated. Parents who mistreat, manipulate, and abuse their children are not fulfilling their calling to nurture and and raise their children as the Lord would have them. And as a church, we are deeply committed to guarding and protecting our kids so that they grow in their faith. And this is a place, this is a a church family where we want kids to be safe. We do everything we can to make sure that that happens. Now let's think of the reason that Paul gives for children to obey their parents. In verse 20, it says, because it's pleasing or acceptable to the Lord. There's something about living our lives and keeping with God's purpose and his plan that somehow reflects honor and worship and gratitude to God. So children, as you honor your parents, not only are you honoring your parents, but you are Obeying God. So you are honoring God. You're worshiping God. You're, you're giving God his place in your life. Even if that obedience is uncomfortable, you don't agree with it. You don't really like it. You don't understand what the good of this is. Even if your parents are not perfect in every way in their, in their instructions with you, what you're called to do is short of being, being in, being asked to sin against God or accept some abuse of your body or person is to follow after them because you're following after God. That's a high calling, kids, teenagers, grown-up children for our parents. That's a high calling that that we're honoring God and worshiping him when we obey our parents. But the same concept we find in Romans 12.1. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable, pleasing. Same same word. Sacrifices aren't always fun. They're not always pleasant. They don't always feel good, but they are, they're something we go through for a higher purpose of glorifying God. So what we find in this passage is the value of honoring parents in the Old Testament carried on with a new emphasis, a new emphasis of loving Jesus. So for all the children, teenagers who are watching today, when you obey your parents and follow instructions, you're not just obeying them, you're honoring God. You're living into what Paul wants the church to be like. It's more important for you to follow Jesus than to follow your parents. And so as you're following your parents and, fo- and obeying them, you are actually reflecting your faith in Christ, which helps them to be better parents, helps you to be a better child, and helps the relationship to be one where you're, you're focusing on that common goal. So whether you're five years old or 15 years old, you can believe that Jesus died for your sins, invite him into your life. Then everything you do is led by him and, led, and lived for him. That's the message here. And now, parenthetically, we don't have time to get into a lot of the issues that aren't addressed in this verse. Um, How do you honor your parents when, when you're an adult and they're older? Um, We still have parents when we're grown up. So how do you honor them? Or how do you set healthy boundaries with parents as as you grow up and you're no longer, you know, in middle school or high school, but now you're a young adult and your parents are trying and helping you. And how do you set those boundaries? And how do you build new relationships? Those are at that adult to adult level, valid questions not addressed here. We don't have time to unpack all of that. But the principle of Colossians helps us to find the answer. The principle of Colossians is that when we focus on Jesus, when we live in Christ, that union that we have in Christ, that union that we have with Him, and the supremacy of Christ helps us to see and live out doing all things for Him and for His glory, which helps in these relationships. Now, there's a lot of other instructions for children in the Bible. I'm not going to read all these verses, but I'm just going to give you a bunch of bullet points of other passages in the Old or New Testament that talk about some kind of instruction for children. Children are to obey God. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 2. They're to fear God, and that doesn't mean you know terror of God. It means more reverence and honor and, and respect God. Proverbs 24, 20. They're to remember God, Ecclesiastes 12:1. They're to attend to the parental teaching, Proverbs 1, 8, 9. And all over in Proverbs, there's wisdom and instruction for children. Honor their parents, Exodus twenty twelve, Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12, 9. Respect your parents, Leviticus 19, 3. Obey your parents, Proverbs six twenty, Ephesians 6, 1, and obviously the, the verse we're looking at today. Take care of your parents, 1 Timothy 5, 4. Honor old people, just in general, as a child, you're supposed to respect and honor those who are older in our culture and in our society, Leviticus and first Peter. And then don't imitate bad parents. I love this, this is such a good principle. Ezekiel 20, 18, your parents are not perfect. Follow the good stuff. Don't imitate the bad parenting principles. That's what I want my kids to do. Don't, don't imitate the mistakes I've made, I'll, I'll own them. Don't imitate those. Children, you have responsibility to live your lives and God wants to give you that. And your parents are there to guide and direct you in that. So just like obeying parents is really obeying God, the same is true for parents. As you raise your children, it's a better perspective to say you're doing this for God than for them. Verse 21 says, Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Do not aggravate your children they will become discouraged. Now again, in this culture, it's a very patriarchal culture. So fathers were in charge. And so it's very fitting that Paul would say fathers here. In our culture, in our way of doing family, um, it's very appropriate to say moms and dads here because moms and dads share more of a a responsibility in our culture for child rearing and, and raising the family than in this ancient Eastern culture. But equally applicable, it's still very clear. The instruction for parents is direct. Don't aggravate your kids. Don't aggravate your kids. Now, kids, that doesn't mean your parents will never be aggravating to you Um, if they're doing their job. Some of the things that they do will seem very aggravating. It will seem um, contrary to what you want to do. But other passages, other translations say, don't provoke, don't irritate, don't embitter your kids. The stress is on the father or father and mother's duty to provide guidance and direction and even discipline to your children that's motivated by love and care and their best interest, not by control, not by authoritarianism, not by arbitrary rules. That's what this is about. It's, it's, it's just not nagging, not picking at things. And isn't that so easy to do as parents? Because we see it. If you just stop that, life would be easier. So we, we nag, we pick at things. And that's what that's what Paul's saying here. Don't be that parent who picks at things, who nags at things. Because that doesn't promote love and care in your child's heart. In fact, it kind of shuts it down. I remember many years ago when our kids were going through adolescence and I was having a particularly challenging period in a relationship with one of, one of our children and, uh, weren't seeing eye to eye on things and everything I said landed wrong and everything this child said landed wrong with me and, and I was going to work one day. I worked at a professional counseling center at the time and was sharing with one of our, uh, another counselor. We often just talked about life and what's going on and I was sharing this and kind of this challenge I'm having and trying to figure it out. And of course, I was fully expecting this counselor to take my side because that's what you do when you share with someone what you're, what you're going through, is that they're going to side with me. And this person said something to me that changed my relationship with that child. And I think all my kids I said, John, why don't you try accepting and loving the child you have instead of the child you want? Why don't you try loving and accepting the child you have instead of the child you want. And what that did is it just opened my eyes to how I was parenting, not out of this love and care, but more of the, the nagging and picking, but it was exposing my own need. It was exposing things I needed. I, if my kids would be this, then I would feel okay. Then I would be accepted. Then I would be a good dad. Then I would be a successful father. Then People would give me respect. So, so I, I was doing that instead of saying, no, let me take the children I have and accept them and let God work in their life and my life so that I become a better man because maybe the challenge I'm in with this child right now is, is partly because God wants to knock some rough edges off of me and my heart. And this wonderful child who right now is, we're not seeing eye to eye on things is how God is gonna do that. Just a lesson that I learned that might, might help you guys as well. Keep in mind also the situation at Colossae. The situation at Colossae is that the followers of Jesus were experiencing some great pressure. There were some other philosophies that were floating into town that were sort of modifications of the message of the gospel. And some of them sounded really, really good. And earlier in this chapter, in chapter two, Paul was speaking against these empty philosophies that were, that were being propagated and there were people were, were uh, tempted to listen to. And if a, if a father's oversight and guidance was too severe, motivated by anything other than the love of Jesus and the gospel being rooted in this child's life, then he ran the risk that these alternatives might be even more attractive to their children. And that's another lesson we need to learn today because our kids are getting all kinds of really, really nice looking, polished messages that are so empty and so devoid of truth. And as parents, we're not responsible totally for everything that happens and for for how our kids live out their faith, but we can do a lot to say, we don't want to make Christianity harsh and nitpicky and naggy because that makes some of these other philosophies and empty, empty kind of teachings look even better. So when Parental oversight lacks this grace and mercy. The result is discouragement. Children lose heart. Sometimes they even they might even comply outwardly, but inwardly they just have shut down and shut you out, which is really dangerous for us. You almost would rather have the openly rebellious kid because you see that, but sometimes it's just like, okay, I'm shut down and I'm done. And that's what can happen. But Christian parents instead should embody the biblical principles of value and worth in God's sight. And this is true for kids too. See, Parents need to look at their children as created in God's image, image bearers, broken image bearers, but image bearers. And then when, when they encounter faith in Jesus Christ, this renewal of, of what Jesus Christ does in their life comes into play. And children ought to look at their parents that way too. No, they're not perfect, but they're image bearers. They're, they're image bearers of God, broken, yes, but in Christ there's this new creation. And again, we keep going back to the supremacy of Christ and what God wants to do as we trust in him. Childhood was short in biblical times. We have to keep reminding ourselves of that or else we think that kids in first century Colossae were a lot like the kids around here and and there really wasn't. Um, Childhood was very short. Families needed everyone working and contributing as soon as they could. So everyone shared in responsibility for the family. So harsh parenting in the first century East where Colossae was in the Roman Empire would not only negatively impact that child and his or her self-esteem and self-worth and value, but would also impact how that child contributes to the community, how that child contributes to the family business, to the work of our family and to our community and to our culture. And again, I've said it before, but I think we need to kind of regain a little bit of that in our church. That, And we do that sometimes. I don't know if we really, we really think about it, but when we dedicate children up here when we dedicate babies? Don't we all make a commitment that we are as a community going to watch out for, pray for, be a community for this child to grow up in faith? And we all stand up and say, we're gonna do that. But do we think about it later? And do we say, wow, I do have a responsibility for that little one running down the lobby today. I I do have a responsibility to pray for and to be in the lives of children, teenagers. So let's talk real here. Harsh parenting not only divide, violates God's design, but it negatively impacts our kids and it negatively impacts our community. So here's what I wanted to encourage you and challenge you. If you are a parent and you have fallen into this pattern of harshness and critical attitude, nitpicky, nagging at your children, whether it's this morning getting ready for church or 20 years ago, and you wonder if you can ever get it back. I want you to. I want you to do something. I want you to. I want you to talk to somebody about that. Maybe it's a counselor. If you're really in a pattern and you feel like you're really wearing your children down and you can't get out of it, maybe talk to a counselor, a therapist who can help you to kind of look at your own heart and get back on track. Maybe it's your small group, your Sunday morning community. Every Friday, we have a group called Celebrate Recovery that meets here at our church. And then they have step studies from that that help us. And that's a wonderful place to go if you just are locked into a pattern of behavior that you know is not honoring to God and you just need someone to help you who's on the same journey to help you to, to counter Christ, to, to get out of that, to be the dad and mom that God wants you to be. If you need help, Reach out to me. We'll be glad to help you get connected with someone who can do that. So, just as I had a bullet point of a bullet list of points for for kids, I have a bullet list of points for parents. These are just some other principles, instructions that the Bible gives to parents. I'm just going to read through them quickly. You're supposed to love your children, Titus chapter two verse four. You're supposed to bring them to Christ, to train them up for God, to instruct them in God's Word, to tell them of God's judgments. To tell them of the miraculous works of God. To command them to obey God. To bless them. To have compassion toward them. To provide for them. To guide them. And to correct them. Again, all in Christ. All through the power of what he's done for us. So again, the teaching of these verses is very clear. Children, always obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. And fathers, don't aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. And if we isolate these two commands, if we pull them out of this letter and if we pull them out of the Bible, it's pretty hopeless. Because if we isolate these two commands and we pull them out of this letter, we pull them out of the Bible, I don't know about you, but all that I see is my failure. All that I see are the... Many, many times I crushed my child's heart. Many times I disappointed my mom. Or more likely than not, many times my children didn't obey. You know, in other words, if, if we pull this out of the whole of Scripture, we just see how we don't measure up. But every relationship is lived in light of Jesus, in light of the gospel. So let me share with you something that I hope will give you some encouragement. The Bible is a story. And the Bible is a story that includes imperfect parents and disobedient children who are used by God to accomplish his mission and purpose all around the world. Isn't that wonderful? That the redemptive message is it's not you being a perfect enough dad or mom or you being a perfect enough kid and performing and, and doing it. The Bible is full of parents who nagged, kids who disobeyed, who knelt, knelt in repentance before God and said, I repent, I want to be your man, I want to be your woman. And God redeems and God rebuilds. I don't know about you, but I count on that principle every day of my life, every day of my life. Now, I want to wind down with just a few ways that we can apply this in our families and in our church. And I'm just selecting some that I've encountered in my ministry and some that um, I stumbled upon in my attempt at being a, a dad and trying to obey. So these are not necessarily pulled out of this verse, but there's some that As I've talked to parents and as I've stumbled along in my parenting, uh, I think are really helpful reminders for us. The first is always fight for a relationship. Always fight for a relationship. I don't care how bad it gets, how much disagreement and conflict there is in your relationship with your kids or your relationship with your parents. Imperfect parents and imperfect children are always gonna produce discord are always going to produce distress. There's always going to be conflict because we're going to see things differently. Um, It may be small, it may be large, but always fight for that relationship. The authentic relationship is not necessarily I agree with you, but it's I accept you for who you are and I'm going to stay in this with you. And we're not going to give up on the relationship. And I don't know about you, but some of my most grueling and, and yet most fulfilling conversations with my kids is when it's been like that where we've just said, we're just going to stay in this together. We're going to stay in this together. And it shows where real love is, where real respect and honor is. The second is monitor your expectations. Unrealistic expectations of parents and children interfere with effective communication, interfere with effective relationships. Monitor your expectations. Kids, your parents were never designed to be perfect. They're as broken as you are. Um, parents, your kids were never gonna be flawless. When you have expectations that they're going to be this and they come in down here, Then there's some resentment that can form. There's disappointment that can form. Or sometimes you might have expectations for your parents to be something because then you're going to get something out of it or expectations for your children to be something because you're going to get something out of it. Expectations always set us up for failure. That doesn't mean you can't hope and pray. I hope and pray this for my parents. I hope and pray this for my children. It's when I need that for me to be okay. I need that for us to be all right is when that hope becomes an expectation an expected outcome that trips up the relationship. The third uh, reminder I wanna give to you is really, really critical. Avoid comparison, avoid comparison. Comparison always either leads to pity or pride, either better than that family or worse than that family. It never helps, never helps. You have your children you have your parents. Don't compare with other children. Don't compare with other parents. Some of the parenting books and family books, I feel like that's what it is. It's like, well, if I raised their kids or if they, I had their parents, then I'd be all right. Because you know? when we compare, we start, we start missing the fact that God has put us in this family and wants to use our family to glorify him as we get to know each other and as we love each other even through the rough times. Besides, you can't really be sure that your compliant children are the result of your good parenting, can you? Nor can you really be sure that your rebellious children are the result of your bad parenting. I mean, you really can't know. So we just avoid comparing and we always get in the mix with our children and our parents. The fourth, point I want to leave you with is say you're sorry and forgive each other a lot. Say you're sorry and forgive each other a lot. And that goes a long way as we parent even our young children or as we respond to our parents in moments of disagreement or disobedience. I'm really sorry I'm really sorry, will you forgive me for that? Some of you might have a pretty long list and you might be overwhelmed. If you really sit down with your children right now and say, hey, I got some things I need to apologize for and I need to own, you might feel overwhelmed. If you need help, again, reach out, we can help with that. Or you might be surprised at how well your children accept that and how much grace they give. Or the same thing for children. You might feel overwhelmed if you really started opening up to your parents about how you want to apologize and you want to ask forgiveness for, for how you've responded and how you've treated them. You might just want to shut down. Reach out for help. Talk to one of your youth group leaders, one of your Kid Connection leaders, or just call me and or shoot me an email. We'll we'll talk about that. And, and likewise, I think you might be surprised at how much grace you get when you move into that. I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me for that? And then the last point I want to leave you with is that you should confirm your communication. Parents should confirm that the message you're trying to send is the message your child is receiving. Because oftentimes it's not. And let me take that a step further. I'm going to speak in generalizations, but I think you'll follow me. As a church, we need to do that too. Because so I think sometimes we have... we have injured I'm speaking generally we have injured our teenagers in particularly and sometimes our children when we have we have taught them things and assumed that they're receiving the message that we're trying to send and we find out years later that they were receiving a message of judgment or they were receiving a message of of uh, performance and they were receiving a message it was very different and so it's actually very simple and that's just to ask and say what are you hearing me ask for right now What's the takeaway you have from this? And children can do the same for parents. Confirm your communication. So this is the section in Colossians that's called household guidance. You know, family, moms, or husbands, wives, children, parents, and next it goes to to servants in the household. But Paul gives some instruction early in this chapter that I think we need to go back to. Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things Children, teenagers, you are going to be the child, the the boy, the girl, the teenager that God wants you to be when you're setting your sights on God and when you're living for him and you're obeying your parents and you're living in that relationship because you're serving God who's called you and redeemed you. And parents, you're gonna be the mom and dad that God wants you to be when you look up, when you look to heavenly things and you look to God and you look to him and the forgiveness that you have in him and you honor him in your love and relationship with your children, which often includes, hey, sorry, I blew it there. And then you parent them out of that grace and mercy that you have in Christ. Living these verses is much easier when we have that focus and that perspective. The perspective of the only father ever who perfectly loved his son and the only son who perfectly obeyed his father. And what God says through Christ is, I want you to be in my family. And now my rules apply to you and my love applies to you. Let's pray that he would make us the children and the parents that he's called us to be. God, these are simple concepts, but so packed with meaning and emotion and experience and pain, and joy, and celebration. I don't know of a relationship that's quite like the parent-child relationship, and I just thank you that Paul respected children enough and wanted to kind of model for us that children are part of the church, and that we don't treat them as second-class citizens in the community of faith, but, but they're part of our church. Help us to do that well as we do church here at First Free, and help us as parents to love our kids well, to to not aggravate them and and discourage them. And for the children who are here, help them to to see their obedience to their parents, their following through on what their parents' guidance is, not some, some burden that's oppressive, but a way they can serve God. And in so doing, be the children that you call them to be. May all this happen for your grace and mercy. Amen.